The following is a Tony Lozano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And now, Free Kicks. Free Kicks. With Illinois Youth Soccer Association's Director of Coaching, Adam Howarth and Rick Kemper. Here we are, back again for another episode of Free Kicks. Uh, I'm uh, Rick Kemper, and Adam is back from jolly old England. Uh, uh, had some sad... Sad news over the past few weeks, and Adam, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what's been going on? Yeah, so uh, apologies for missing the last couple, and uh, obviously, you know, sometimes, you know, family gets is, is more important. Yes. And unfortunately, the, the last couple of weeks, you know, just dealing with my, with my father's my father's death, who um, unfortunately had been battling Alzheimer's, which is a terrible, terrible disease for the last seven years. So, um, you know, so we kind of uh, was able to kind of spend some time with him, which was good. And uh, we had a, a nice funeral for him. So it was great to see a lot of family that we hadn't seen in 20, 30 years or so. Uh, but uh, a nice send off for, for my dad. So today's podcast is for him. You know, why don't you why don't you say a little bit about who your dad was and what he did? Because he, he has an interesting story too. Yeah, it is. I mean, we actually, my brother and I kind of put it, put together my brother is a graphic designer back in in london and uh he really did a really nice job of putting a hit the order of service together but my actually my dad actually worked for a long time in in television and movies and we was actually able to credit all of his uh television and movies that he worked on and it was quite a group of movies from tomb raider with angelina jolie to uh tv shows like the benny hill show and uh, it, it was quite a quite a quite a list, um, and uh, he spent a lot of time working in movies as well uh, in Pinewood Studios, which is where they make all the James Bond movies. So, uh, yeah, he did he did a lot of work, spent a lot of time. He was a scenic designer, a scenic painter, so he spent a lot of time kind of designing different things. And one of the kind of the neat things is we he spent a lot of time working on the movie Notting Hill. And uh, we actually kind of walked into the to the music from Notting Hill, so that was kind of a nice uh, nice tribute to him. So um, I got to meet your dad a couple summers ago. He was already suffering uh, from Alzheimer's, but uh, uh, he still loved football, didn't he? Absolutely loved it, and that's what we talked about. He absolutely loved it. I mean, he was we were a very sporty family. Um, you know, the, it was tough. He was a Man United fan, so we won't hold that against him. <laughs> but but, um, but he grew up. Yeah, he was born in in London, but his family was from the Bury area, Manchester area. In fact, uh, pretty close to the same town. That was the same town where the Neville brothers, Gary Neville and Phil Neville, grew up. And uh, so that was kind of the Man United thing. And my brother, oh, you're, you you yeah, loved there. watching it. Would take, yeah, loved watching it. Took us to all the games. And uh, really enjoyed spending some time at the football pitch. So uh, he was one of the he was the the manager of the teams. Did everything for 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 both myself and my brother when we were playing growing up. All right. Well, the yeah, the show is for him. And and ironically, the first game we're going to talk about. Well, let's get to some audio. We have uh, our traditional beginning here. Premier League football. What's happening on the pitch? So what's happening on the pitch is Man U played against Chelsea this weekend, <laughs> ironically. Your dad's favorite yeah. team against your favorite team. And that's right. What a game. 
Did you enjoy yeah, it? It was it was a good one. It was a good one. Absolutely. I was able to sit down and watch it early. It was a it was the early game, so I quite like those early ones because typically there's not too many conflicts. So that's quite quite nice. Uh but yeah, what a great game. Really enjoyed it. It was definitely um a game of two halves, as they normally say. I yeah. think Chelsea dominated the first half, and then Man United looked a lot better in the second half. And uh, probably two-two was the fair result, but uh, drama at the end with the with the goal, and then the the assistant coach kind of uh, gloating in front of Jose Mourinho, and he wasn't too happy about that. Have you ever seen that before? I haven't. Um, I've seen the coaches kind of get upset, and it's funny when you when I when you say. I haven't seen it. I mean, Jose actually kind of did it a little bit. You know, I've seen him running down the, the sideline a few times, but certainly not in front of managers and, and coaches. So I think that was probably the toughest thing about it. Um, but, yeah, it was it was probably something that the manager had to deal with in-house. I think he's already, already spoke to the assistant coach and said, look, you can't do those things. And I don't think he's going to get fired, but he's certainly been severely reprimanded. Well, so it was in the 96th minute of the game, um, which says something right there. But like you said, a tale of two halves. And and for me, um, Chelsea was just playing beautiful uh, football in the first half. It was just, you know, the passing game was just, it was just a joy to watch. And then, you know, I always give Jose Mourinho a hard time, but he does know how to coach, doesn't he? He really does. I mean, he, he was able to bring them back. I mean, and let's be honest. I mean, they weren't in the game first half. I no. Mean, he, he may have said that they were in it. Uh, and there was maybe a five, ten-minute spell when they were able to, to string some passes. But, but Chelsea really dominated the game. They were knocking the ball around, finding space, lots of creating lots of openings, different things. And uh, they looked really good. And I was not worried at all going in at halftime. I thought it was going to be more of the same. But... Credit to Jose. He turned it around. He was able to uh, get the team motivated, came back, scored two goals, and it wasn't for Ross Barkley, who's kind of had a bit of a resurgence uh, since uh, since Sari came in. Uh, it's tied it up in that 96 minute. Yeah, you know, um, I, I got a big kick out of to the end of the game, which, you know, there, there was nearly a brawl on the field, too. Um, yes. And it was all sparked by, you know, just the passion, the emotion of the game. Um, but the thing that cracked me up, and this is, you know, typical Jose Mourinho, as he's walking off the field, he's holding yeah. three fingers in the air. Did you see that? Oh, yeah. I couldn't miss it. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I know that the, probably what was happening, the fans were giving him some grief about it, but he's he's so cocky. And you got to love it, though. I mean, yeah. those are the things you look for. And the funny thing is, and, and even listening to the commentators after the game, it's the game is the game, but still he finds a way to be the center of attention. Isn't it something? It's always about him. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's nobody, nobody remember. I mean, to be fair, Ross Barkley should have been the center of attention. And he got some credit. He scored yeah. the goal, came, came on as a sub, and did his job, scored the goal. Right. But still, but still, Jose, you know, it's. Still him. It's still about him and about his team, and that's who we talk about. And yeah. that's that's the funny thing. Well, you know, um, you said that uh, the the guy's not going to be fired, the assistant coach for for uh, taunting him like that. Yeah. Uh, do you think that that assistant coach might have worked for Jose when he was the 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 manager there? Is it possible that there's like a no. personal animus between those two guys? No, I don't think so. I think he's an Italian um, Italian ah, coach. Okay, uh, yeah, say no more. I, I, 
<laughs> so I think that's where where the passion comes from. Um, I think that's for sure. Um, it, it's interesting. There is a little bit of a debate going on in England right now in terms of should they sack him or not sack him. I right. think Phil, Phil Neville's talking about sacking him, where others are saying, well, I don't think so. And I think that was with the kind of the verdict in the in the studio after the game. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, I mean, it, it's emotion. I I think he's definitely not going to do that again. Otherwise, he will be sacked. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah. It kind of, kind of, the emotions could run through, and the, the Italians are pretty known for being a pretty emotional bunch of bunch of people. That's for sure. Let me ask you a personal question. Um, I happen to notice, just talking to you right now, that you're sounding a little more British than usual. <laughs> is is this That's something right. that happens to you after you go visit the homeland? I think so. It does. I I, I get back into it. it although I was uh, definitely told I had an American twang, which I that's was what I was going to ask you. If if your family there was like, hey, who's this American guy? Yeah, they were giving me some grief. It was it was funny. I was one of one of my uh, my cousin's uh, friends was saying, "You definitely got an American twang," and I was really upset about it. So I was <laughs> I was really starting to pronounce my T's and and talk. A lot more English, that's for sure. I really emphasized it. So, uh, yeah, maybe maybe it may take a little while before I get my American twang back, but we'll see. <laughs> okay. Well, I never heard an American American <laughs> twang, so uh, <laughs> so I won't notice the difference probably. Um, all right, let's talk that's about good. some of the other games that happened. This is uh, I usually we, we usually wouldn't talk about Crystal Palace against Everton because it's you know not really that of an important game, but. I just happened to tune in to the final few minutes of the game. And this is one of those magical moments in uh, watching soccer where in the last five minutes, everything happened in that game. And those (laughs) were the five minutes that I saw. (laughs) So I really enjoyed it. It it was a good use of subs. And this new um, Everton coach is really starting to connect, isn't he? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think it was an interesting game in the fact that, you know, the coach there, Marco Silva, uh, did a great job of finding the plays to come in at the right time. And literally, when they came in, the game changed. Yeah. I think there were some chances there. Um, and they and they just really did a nice job of getting in it. In fact, uh, I believe the first goal that was scored, um, you know, it was just because of, the, the quick change. I think it was probably they were adjusting. The other team hadn't got used to marking those players. Right. And it worked out great for them. It really did. Um, so, uh, again, you know, managers sometimes get a lot of, um, um, you know, bad things said about them when things don't go well. And maybe sometimes they don't get enough credit when they do make those chirps. But as, as every newspaper article I read about the game, that made the difference. Now, yeah. the other big one that you didn't see was the penalty save as well. Right. So the, goal key, the goalkeeper, Jordan Pickford, who's the England goalie, who's been playing pretty well lately, ended up saving the penalty. So that was definitely a turning point as well. Because uh, if Crystal Palace would have scored, maybe it would have been a bit of a different game. But two goals, Dominic, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Chelsea. I think he's on loan from Chelsea, actually. Yeah. And Zeng. And Tosin, who's a Turkish player, I believe, and has not scored many goals when he started, but then he comes off the bench and buries it. So good for him. Glad, yep. he, got, glad, glad he was able to get those goals. It's a, a brilliant use of substitutes. And you got to feel bad for Crystal Palace because their next four games are against Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham, and Man U. So they they really needed yep. some points out of that Everton game. And they're, they're actually back down in the danger zone once again. 
That's right. They're down in 15th. I mean, it's a better start for them from last year. I mean, last year they started, I think they were over nine at the beginning of the season. So at least they got a few more few more points on the board. But yeah, these next four games against you know four of the top six are going to be very tough for them. So let's talk uh, but, about the other guys that are at the top of the table now. There are two teams that are still undefeated, um, Man City and Liverpool. Um, they yep. are tied in points, but Man City's ahead in goal differential. And boy, are, I think they're already ahead by 10 goals or something like that. Yeah, you're right. Ten, 23 goal differential already. Yeah, so they've got their streaking. So, you know, do you think that there's a chance that anyone's going to catch these guys? Well, I mean, the, that's the that's always the big factor in terms of the goal difference. Um, I mean, everything else is fairly close, in, in, which is quite nice. Yeah. I mean, even Arsenal, who, who plays today, um, if they win, they'll be at 21. So actually, five teams will be within two points of the leader. You know, there'll be basically two-point difference with, with the top five, which is probably closer than usual. At this point, sometimes in the season, yeah, uh, the last few away. years, Man City, yeah, pulled away, got at least a six-point lead. So I, I'm excited that it's a bit closer, yeah. and the games have been there. It's just that Man City just scores in bunches. They're just yeah. that's the difference. You know, they don't win one nil; they win five nil, four nil, and that's and that's been the difference in their goal differential. And De Bruyne is back now too. So yeah, yeah, he came back. I mean, the, the class. There was a highlight of him as well. I saw there was this no-look pass that he made. I don't know if you saw it, yeah, but I he came on. <laughs> and uh, they were all saying, does he have eyes in the back of his head? I mean, this is a guy that's literally been on the field for five minutes, and he, he's making ridiculous passes. So he's only going to make them better. Has it ever come down to the final uh, uh, two teams being tied for the championship and somebody winning it because of goal differential? Yeah, actually, probably the best ever final day of the season was actually led to Man City, and this was the first time they won the Premier League, and they ended up winning the league on goal differential. Wow. Um, Fantastic, fantastic. This was 2011-2012, so this is the 2012 year. Man City were losing, actually, two two goals to one to QPR, and this was in the 90th minute. They added the extra, the injury time. They scored two goals in the 92nd minute to tie it. And then in the 95th, Aguero scored the winning goal, which is probably why they hold him in such great esteem. And they ended up winning 3-2. to two. Unbelievable. Amazing. Unbelievable. And that was after Man United. And they beat, they nipped Man United because Man United was the team that they beat on goal differential. And, uh, they had, I think, 93 goals, something like that, compared to 85 or 86 for Man United. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it was quite a quite an impressive day. I mean, I was watching that. Uh, I was actually, I think, I was actually watching a, a game, a, a high school game or a college game, something like that, and I was watching it on my phone. It was it was absolutely amazing because it was going back and forth because all the games start at the same time, which makes it even more exciting. Yeah, I, I do vaguely remember that now that you mention it. Um, all right, so let's talk about the surprise team of the Premier League so far, which to me is got to be Bournemouth, um, which I, yeah. think, I think I pronounced incorrectly. How do you pronounce it? Yeah, Bournemouth is right. Okay, Bournemouth is right. Um, they're in the top six right now, and they have never been anywhere near there before, have they? 
No. Um, I mean, they've had some good starts previously, but they're doing great. Um, they've got a great young manager in Eddie Howe, who was often tipped for as potentially an England manager. And considering from where they came, you know, 10 years ago, they were on the brink of going out of business. And in 10 years, they've now moved forward. And now they're in the top six. I mean, they're, they're right now potentially going into the Europa League, which is unbelievable. And especially for a, a club that's so small in terms of its stature. I don't think I don't think the ground holds more than 15,000. So it's a small little ground, but a great little atmosphere. So, yeah, doing really, really well. And, and they, where, where is Bournemouth located? It's, in, it's on the south coast, um, so a little bit south of London. And, uh, you know, it'll probably about an hour, hour and a half drive from London uh, towards the coast. Okay, we're going to be uh, testing your knowledge of Bournemouth uh, in a, just a, a few minutes here. But first, I need you to explain that foreign tradition. Let me get the audio. And now, explain that foreign tradition, please. Uh, so, I was watching a Liverpool game. And before the Liverpool game starts, uh, they, the entire crowd sings a song, You'll Never mm-hmm. Walk Alone, which is a show tune from Carousel, uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein song. Um, why are they singing that song? What, what, what is the deal of that, and how did that become the song that, uh, that Liverpool fans sing before their games? Any idea? Yeah, it's a, a bit of a history here, and you probably remember Jerry and the Pacemakers, sure, who uh, who sang that song. So actually, I think it was early sixties, I think nineteen sixty three was about the time when it came out, and it was just one of those songs. And Jerry is from Liverpool as well, so right. that whole group. I mean, Merseyside. He's from Merseyside. That's right. From that, that you know, joy, and as you well know, that. That time period, Liverpool was pro- Liverpool, and was probably the the mainstay of music in, in the whole world in right. terms of what was going on with the Beatles and everything else. But for whatever reason, the Liverpool fans really adapted to this um, to this song, uh, and then they just it was doing really well in the charts. And what ended up happening is they just adopted that song, and uh, it's become a tradition. And I think now, and I think. Probably more recently, especially in the era of you know Instagram, YouTube, all that stuff, you're probably seeing it more now than any, any than ever before. But they traditionally will do that right before the game, and it is. Prob- I've never been. I've been to Liverpool. I've been to Anfield uh, once before, and I don't remember the song being as inspiring as it has been in the last four or five years. Yeah. Uh, but um, it's like but goosebumps. It's, uh, it's it really is. It's it's one of the most uh, amazing experiences you can ever get at a, at a game because everybody's singing it. Everybody's got their star scarfs held up high, yeah. and it's it's really unbelievable. I mean, in, in terms of sports, it's one of those. It's definitely one of those things you've got to see. Yeah, and, I guess. Uh, yeah, great. I guess great, a great. ferry crossed the Mersey, which is uh, Jerry and the Pacemaker's biggest That's, hit, wouldn't have been quite as inspiring. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And 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 it's funny because a lot of teams now have adopted the same idea. So I was at West Ham over Christmas, and uh, they're singing "You're Forever Blowing Bubbles." You know, it's the same type of thing right before the game. So now all of these teams have these kind Wait, of what song? <laughs> <You'll>, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
We're forever blowing bubbles. It's the name of the song. That's maybe something down the road we'll have to talk about. Okay. But um, <laughs> but um, yeah, but uh, but yeah, every team has their has their kind of walkout song, and so now it's just especially with with Liverpool. This is the one that they will use and uh, just really kind of get the crowd geared up. And I'm sure for the players, it's it's just got to be an unbelievable experience, especially for even for the new players going through that. Yeah. Well, I, I just thought it was a, a very cool moment when they, I mean, it ha- it, the fact that they even showed it on television kind of tells you something about, you know, the power of this moment. Um, yeah. But, but just the idea, I mean, I immediately started looking it up on, on the internet. I'm like, where the, I mean, I knew this song from the musical. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just never really understood that. I didn't realize that Jerry and the Pacemakers also had a, a, a version of it. So there yeah, you go. I, I guess that tells you my lack of musical knowledge because I had no idea it was in a musical until you told me that. So that's the funny thing. So I just, I just remember it being Jerry and the Pacemakers, number one song there. It was a big song back in the early 60s. So. Okay. There you go. I need to get out more. All right. So let's uh, let's do our famous quiz. Now you've you've done a quiz. Now I think this is our seventh quiz or eighth quiz so far. You've passed every single one of them. Um, and today we were talking about Bournemouth, and so I'm going to quiz you on Bournemouth. And okay. one of my favorite things is to uh, find out some celebrity supporters of Bournemouth, and you can tell me which one of these four celebrities is a big supporter of Bournemouth. Right, ready? Is it Sarah Ferguson, Duchess of York? James Franco? Seth Rogen? Or Benny Hill? One of them is a big supporter (laughs) of Bournemouth. (laughs) Well, Benny Hill would be so relevant right now, especially with my dad. Exactly. I'm going to go with Benny Hill. That is incorrect. (laughs) But uh, I'm going to give you some points just for the uh, sentimentality of it. Actually, you're never going to believe this. The The famous supporter is Seth Rogen. Really? Who I think probably just picked the team out of, you know, you know, pity because no one, there are no celebrity fans. Here are the, uh, here are the, the next three most famous fans of Bournemouth. Already. Jamie Reynolds from the band, the Claxons. Okay. Ever heard of him? Yeah, I have. I have. Okay, yeah. I have not. Um, Pyrian Flax, who is a famous gamer in England. Uh, Ever heard of him? No, oh, I'm sure my kids have. <laughs> yeah, mine too, probably. <laughs> and Jane Middlemiss, former celebrity Master Chef winner. That's a. That's a. That's a bad list of celebrities there yeah that's rough if you got those in your top three that's not good yeah all right so you're over one this i may have finally uh gotten you this next yeah. question is about george best okay who did at the very end of his career play a couple of games for bournemouth was it in 1984 1983 1985 or 1986 Ooh. All right, I'm going to go with 84. No, I'm sorry. It was 1983. You're 0 for 2. Now, th- oh. at that time, Bournemouth was not in the Premier League or in the, the first division, I'm sure. And it was, you know, George Best yeah. probably had to be rolled out onto the field. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> and so it wasn't exactly on his highlight reel, but uh, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Now you've, this is the pressure's on because you got to get all three of these last three here. All right. What did Bournemouth achieve in 1992 that made history? They, did they A, buy a player and sell him the next day? B, were they the first club to win an FA Cup tie live on television by way of penalties? C, did they have 10 different managers in one season? Or D, did they have every player sent off at least once in a league game? Whew, my goodness, you really, uh, you really got me on these ones this time. Oh, I might be going over this week. This is not good. Um, I'm going to go with D, the last one. I'm sorry. Oh. Oh, so, well, you know, you had a good run. You had a good <laughs> run. Uh, they were the first club to win an FA Cup tie live on television by way of penalties. So now we're, now we're just wow. going to have to see not... if you can get any of these correct. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, all right. Uh, by the way, in that game, the original game ended in a 0-0 draw at Dean Court. Newcastle United was the home team, uh, and uh, they – they had a replay on, and they finished two to two in extra time, and Bournemouth won the game four to three on penalties. But you know, okay, I knew that, of course. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, all right, true or false? Did Bournemouth win a divisional title in the twentieth century? That they either did or they did not in the entire century. Did they ever win any divisional titles? Yes or no? Well, I'm trying to think. I know when they got promoted, I'm trying to remember if they if they actually won the league, if they did it. Um, trying to think. Uh, I'm going to go with no. Oh, they did win it once. And it was oh. the, the third division in 86-87. They okay. won it one right. time. Boy, you know, you go back to England and uh, and this and now a, you're not doing it. All right, so this is this is what happens. All right, this is so this is the fifth one, and this is uh, you know just uh, just a modicum of uh, dignity. You've got to yeah, scrape back together just, here. All right, in 1956-57, you're already. I feel your eyes rolling from this side. You're, you're killing me. You're killing me. <laughs> Bournemouth set their record attendance at Dean Court. Okay, who was it against? Chelsea, Liverpool, okay. Manchester United, or Arsenal? And I'll give you a hint. Your dad would know the answer to this question. All right. I'm guessing Manchester United. Very good. You got one. One out of five. Ooh. By the way, the wow. record uh, attendance... Ever, we're talking about how Bournemouth doesn't have a lot of people. The record yeah. attendance is 28,000 fans, wow. and that was in, in March of 1957. See, I don't know how they got – so their they're they're, they're stadium now, I know that. See, if you'd have asked these questions about the stadium, I would have known these things. Yeah. That only, it only holds about 13,000, so it's, it's actually one of the smallest – it's the smallest ground in the Premier League, sure. So uh, this was, I guess, an FA Cup game against uh, – 
Man U, and they they uh, won that game, um, and then went to uh, went on to lose against Aston Villa in the final. Oh, I see. So, I see. There you go. Yeah, and back, and back then they didn't worry too much about safety, so they were just cramming right. those people in. I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure they were like on the pitch itself, basically. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So if you if you like uh, if you like the show Free Kicks, there are many places to find it, and iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, RSS feed. But Adam, I don't even know if you know this. We are now also on Spotify. Sweet. So there's no excuse for not listening to uh, the Free Kicks with Adam and Rick anymore. We are all over the place now. Before we get to uh, Adam's TV tip, do you have any news to report from uh, what's going on at your offices over there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, wait, got- then I've got some audio. Here we go. In this country, we call it soccer, partner. All right, what do you got going on? Yeah, so lots of things. Obviously, right now we've got full state cup going on, so it's a busy time. So we just had uh, some playing games this past weekend up in Rockford at the facility. And then this next weekend, um, the crew here are going to be up there again. So we've got uh, state cup quarterfinals and semifinals and then President Cup semifinals and finals. Uh, obviously, that had some good teams there from last year. We had a, a green-white was a, was a winner last year, national champion from the President's Cup on the girls' side. Yeah. And then Illinois Cup will be the finals, which is our third-tier level, which is always which has been really well-received with teams coming in. So, so this weekend will be busy. So if you have a chance to get up to Rockford, definitely try and catch some games. Uh, the schedule's on our website for State Cup, so that'll be fun. And uh, and then we've also got um, a coaching clinic coming up November the 11th. I know we've sent that out. That's also on our, our website. We're working with Gary Kaneen, who also runs kind of a smaller podcast, not quite as good as ours, but it's decent. Um, um, so he does some stuff with. I bet it's not coach. on Spotify. I bet it's, it's not. probably yeah. probably not. Probably yeah. not. You're right. Um, so he's. Working with us, with our coaches club, and uh, he's going to help him and Craig Harrington, both Red Star assistant coaches, going to do a, a one-day uh, coaching seminar here in our offices. So that's kind of exciting. So if you want to sign up for that, it's all the information is on our website as well. That's Sunday, November the 11th. So lots of things happening. So we're excited. Okay, sounds good. Now it's time for Adam's TV tip. Now time for Adam's weekend soccer TV tip. All right, so... Um, I did peek at the uh, TV schedule. I've got a funny feeling I know which one you're going to recommend, uh, but I'd like to hear it anyway. Yep, I know. As much as everybody wants to stick around and watch that Burnley-Chelsea game, <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go with uh, a game on Monday night, yeah. 20, 29th of October, so right before uh, Halloween there. Hopefully this is not a trick or treat, um, but uh, I'm sure it's going to be more of a treat rather than a trick. So uh, Spurs versus Man City at Tottenham. I believe this game is still at Wembley. They still have not got into their new their new uh, their new home yet. I think they're I think they're planning on middle of November for that one. But it should be a magic game. Two o'clock in the afternoon. So get off work a little bit earlier or uh, watch it on your computer as most people do while they're working and. Uh, <laughs> Should be a good one. And how many does Wembley hold? Wembley holds uh, 90,000, 90, 90 plus. It's probably going to be pretty close to being full. I would say at least 80,000 will be at that game. So that is a big game. And and actually, Tottenham has a, 
as an actual shot at uh, giving them a game. Yeah. Oh, no question. I, I mean, especially being at home, this might be a, this might be a team that could knock them off. You know, though Tottenham's lost already. I mean, we've still got quite a few unbeaten. Man City and uh, Liverpool and Chelsea are still the unbeaten group. So maybe this might be the time that they knock them off. So hopefully Chelsea can knock off Burnley. And by uh, by Monday night, they'll be top of the table again, just like it used to be. <laughs> All right. Well, so there it is. Um, and, and Adam, you know, just I wanted to express uh, my sympathy uh, to you and your family. I know that uh, you and your dad were close. Um, and... You know, it's a rough time. So uh, I wish you the best. You know, yeah. we we posted something on our Facebook page about it, and we got a lot of well wishes. Um, you know, people are behind you, and I just wanted to let you know that. Appreciate uh, that. Yeah, and I'll probably post something on the the Twitter as well, just a little bit about who my dad was and the movies, so then when people go watch his movies, they can uh, kind of see what he did. So that's kind of cool. So I appreciate right. that, Rick. Sure. If you'd like to know more about Adam and Rick, you can follow us on Twitter, as uh, Adam just mentioned, FK with Adam and Rick, and Facebook, Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. You can check out our day jobs. I'm an author, publisher at Eckhart's Press, Eckhart'sPress.com, also the co-host of the Minutia Men podcast with David Stern. And this week, our special guest is going to be the voice of Siri, I'm very excited to that about that. Adam is a technical director, nice. uh, director of coaching at the Illinois Youth Soccer Association. He mentioned that you check out uh, the website for things. That's the Illinois Youth Soccer Association website, and that's where you can find out more about Adam and all the things that he discussed. And we will be back again next week with another episode of Free Kicks. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. From your mom's basement. My mother has been kind enough to allow us to do the show from her basement. Uh, Any kind of hummel that you need is right here behind us. Yes, there's a shrunk. We call that a shrunk. And that's her backup shrunk. Come on by. I'll make a a sandwich. And she did. I love the fact that she made you bagels and and, uh, lox. And you got nothing. Engage. She gave me squat. <laughs> she gave me squat. Who are those pickles on the top? Yes. Of those two? Yes. This is first class oh, here. Is... It's not just sandwiches. Um, they're cut into tiny little triangles. Right. right. So they're like finger sandwiches. This could be afternoon tea. If Queen Elizabeth came in here, right. she'd be perfectly at home. Right. And and we could put her on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And we could show her a hummel. <laughs> the, yeah. The second class hummels. The the bench. The hummels that are on the bench. We'd bring the first class I, once. You think here. so? Tony Lasano podcast and Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. RadioMisfits.com.